My name's Mark Ackroyd, Head of Advice Delivery, Strategy and Innovation for Lumiant. And welcome to Lumiant Live, the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? The Lumiant Live podcast connects listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lifts the lid on how they made it happen. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Dr. Travis Parry. Hi, Travis. How are you? Good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you. So Dr. Parry, for those of you that don't know him, is the author of the number one best-selling book, Achieving Balance. He's earned several degrees in family and social science to better understand stress and goal achievement. Dr. Parry founded the Make Time Institute to help financial professionals and business owners achieve balance. As a former financial advisor, Travis knows well the struggles that advisors deal with to keep a healthy balance between building a practice and enjoying life outside of it. And that's why today is a very special episode. It's a bit of a crossover episode for us where, you know, as opposed to talking about our clients living their best lives, we're going to talk about our audience. Uh, so you um, and, and get a bit of a perspective around how you can live your best life. We often talk about our clients' values, but Today's episode, through working with Travis and, and talking about his research, we're going to talk about your values and, and what's important to you. So, Travis, you're really excited to have you on. Uh, let's start by getting you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was an advisor um, back in 2002. I was intrigued with this industry um, because growing up, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, have my own business, have, you know, recurring income stream, be able to, to, you know, really work smarter, not harder. In fact, I was on a bike ride, uh, doing my newspaper route when, you know, I'm collecting door to door as like a 14 year old kid. And this guy comes out and he's like, you know, it's like 1030 in the morning and I haven't been able to reach him. And he's like, oh, sorry, man, let me pay the bill. He paid the bill and gave me a check. And like, uh, you know, he's, he was talking to me a little bit and it's like, so great you're doing this. And I asked him, what does he do for work that he's home at 1030? He's like, well, you know, I'm an investor. I trade on the market. And like, from that moment on, I was like, what, what, what is the market? Like, what is investment? Like, and in my mind it started spinning and I, I really wanted to understand better how money worked how I can make it work for me. And I, I found myself as a 22 year old young man trying to help others with it. And, uh, and you know, it was a struggle, the young advisor trying to get the business going. When I finally got into a really good rhythm, I found uh, my sweet spot and I found the niche that I liked working with. Um, it, it all came to a screeching kind of halt uh, as my, my father who passed away very suddenly at age 49. Um, kind of, it just kind of threw a, a wrench into everything. I was there helping my mom, trying to help her through the funeral arrangements, get her set up, really making sense of the end of financial planning. So it, it you would think that most people would say, well, Travis, you know, didn't that propel you to want to do financial planning the rest of your life and really help people? And the answer was yes, but I wanted to do it at such a grand scale, such a you know big scale that I actually had a coach tell me, Travis, I understand your passion. You really you know, value financial planning. You understand how it works. You want to help a lot of people. But she actually told me, 
I think you need to influence other financial advisors. I think you need to be an influencer in the field. And that meant giving up my practice. So after a lot of thought and prayer and study, I did. I gave up the practice. I went independent and gave it up, threw all the licenses away just so that I could help advisors to be better advisors and help the industry as a whole. Um, that way, in, in my opinion, I could really influence thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of individuals to have a better experience with the financial planning process and really integrate that with their own life so that they could be living their best lives. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's plenty to unpack there. Um, that must've been an incredibly uh, challenging journey, not only to, to, to lose your father and, and thank you for sharing that. Um, but then to think about, you know, giving up your practice to go and help advisors and then working through, well, what does that look like? And how do I actually do that? You know, you mentioned you did a lot of reflection, a lot of prayer. What were some of the thoughts and what were some of the ways you thought about making that change and, and, uh, and moving into the, the work that we're about to unpack? You know, um, I was in the process of, of leaving uh, Northwestern Mutual where I kind of grew up as a financial advisor. They taught me everything I needed to know and sort of, you know, one of the big three or four in the industry who could, who could do that and, and teach you is very life insurance focused, which again, Travis, you know, your father and your, your mother, you know, benefited from having that in place. They did. My mom did. And I helped her through that, but there's so much beyond just dollars and cents. It was the emotional part. It was trying to help my mom who for a very long time was stuck in a rut um, because she just lost her, you know, her husband 26 years at that time and a very difficult experience for her. Um, and then losing my father myself, I actually had an experience where I, I had to write the obituary. Now, after writing someone's obituary, your own father, you start to contemplate life a little bit. You start to think, gee, I may not be here forever. And it becomes more than life insurance policies and numbers and underwriting. And it becomes more of legacy. Uh, it becomes more of, well, what, what do I really want to accomplish? I was 26 at the time. And I sat there after doing the obituary and kind of reflecting on a lot of thoughts after the funeral thinking, gee, well, what if I only lived to age 50? My dad was a month away from 50. What if I only lived to 50? What would I need to change now? And that got me really thinking, that got me really started to starting to make huge changes in my life. And then that corresponded with my change to be from advisor to an advisor to advisors. And I realized I, I needed to go big. I needed to really grow this and have an influence and in, into this industry to help, to help uh, advisors with their own balance and help them to achieve their goals. Yeah. And how did you go about thinking through what, what your work and, and research has ended up becoming? Because I can hear a lot of personal passion around uh, you know, maybe scoping or, or finding your purpose and, and taking your life events, reflecting on them and going, okay, what is really important to me? Which is obviously, you know, core to some of your work. How did you go about putting all of that together and deciding, you know, the research you wanted to do and the business you wanted to build and, and maybe 
let's let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm gonna say that for me, um, I I did a lot of training after that, and it wasn't an immediate. Oh, let's jump ship and do this right away. I realized I'm gonna have to figure out a way to leave this practice and to gain some other education. So I started doing um, training with like Bill Backrack. I love Bill Backrack stuff. Values based financial planning. The like it honestly changed my experience as an advisor. I started implementing it. Um, but then as a business owner, as a, you know, as I went independent, I realized, well, gee, I'm not an advisor anymore. I'm a business owner. What in the world do I know about being a business owner? I've been so used to having all the support at Northwestern Mutual, like a lot of, you know, people as they leave advisors leave to become an RIA or independent, they leave a lot of the support. And so I really had to, you know, I had to get the software to get the red tail. I had to get all compliance. I had to figure out an office logo, like you name it. It was just on and on and on. So I started doing some more training with others who had done it, like Backrack Associates. Um, I bought the book E-Myth. I got some training from a coach, Dave Crenshaw, who taught me how to create systems in my business. And all along the way, I started becoming more and more trained in the way that I really thought, you know, a balanced business owner should be but I still struggled with keeping the balance, growing the business and keeping the balance um, to the point where I said, forget all of this training from other you know, trainers. It's time to go back to school. It's time to really dig deep into the psychology. So I did a master's degree in psychology to really understand how does all of these emotions, how does stress how does you know uh, achieving a sense of balance really fit in with everything we're doing in the financial world? And there's a lot of financial psychology, but you know a lot of a lot of the practice management isn't really talked about in a psychological aspect. It's talked in a business aspect. It's taught as well. These are the systems you got to use, business systems. But what if your psychology is not right? What if you're stressed? What if you don't? you know, um, have the right motivation. So anyway, I studied a lot of that to try to figure out where we're going. And when I was done with my master's degree, I realized I needed to go get a PhD because we kind of scratched the surface on the psychology. And I wanted to go deep into relationships, specifically marital relationships. How does that affect work-life balance as an advisor? How does that affect what we're doing? Well, it's almost everything. I've interviewed over 500 advisors. Our team has interviewed over 500 advisors about this concept. And we found that family and a spouse is the number one and number two reason why advisors have and keep their balance. So here we are studying all these business systems. We're doing all these business focused things only to realize, well, hold on. A lot of that's in our head or in our heart. It's our relationships that help keep us balance on this journey of, of growing our financial practices. Yeah. Yeah. As you're speaking there, it's, you know, uh, the irony isn't lost on me about all the education and work that we see advisors do on understanding financial psychology, uh, whether it be values-based advice, behavioral finance, how do I better engage my client? You know, as you said, there's, there's a bit out there in the industry now around how I better manage my business 
but the irony there is who 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 and how are advisors that are business owners then looking after themselves and what are the questions they're asking themselves what are the reflections they're having themselves and you know I assume as our audience is listening to this, hearing you speaking about achieving balance, you know, I know in Australia, it's been one of the largest periods of change in the industry. We're seeing advisors opt out of the industry. We're seeing those that want to stay have to take on extra study. Um, everyone's trying to scale. Um, there's more and more compliance requirements. I know, you know, America is going through similar sort of things that, um, the, the crunch on costs uh, going through the roof. You know, this is a hard time to be in this industry. <clears throat> how, how did you think through that uh, achieving balance type work and, and what were some of the learnings you had as you started to, to find, you know, sort of work through that? Really good question. So, I mean, what we've talked about is like super, super broad. Like my story isn't a linear story. It goes all over the place. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, you're an advisor and your dad died. And you went back to school and you did all these other things. Like you sound ADD, Travis. Well, I think a lot of business owners, quite honestly, are. <laughs> That's why we struggle. It's exactly why we struggle. But if all we do is focus on the business systems and uh, we have great workflows and teams, that's awesome. But the issue is a lot of times we're only as good as our individual psychology. We're only as good as our own personal systems. So, you know, with a lot of the changes going on in the world um, and in this industry right now, um, really balance is one of the you know, most important topics. Um, that's why I believe it skyrocketed to number one bestseller on Amazon, the first day we 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 uh, brought this book to the market, and I think this is why I get asked to be a guest on podcasts like literally every day. Um, it's it's a you know at least a few times a week actually. We backtrack at least a few times a week. I'm being asked, and uh, I'm speaking on stage. I'm doing all these all these things because the topic is so incredibly relevant now. When we're trying to scale, most advisors are saying, "I am afraid to scale because." I don't want to lose my balance or they don't, they're trying to scale while they're way out of balance. And they're thinking if I can just scale my business again, business systems, if I can just scale my business, then I will be able to fix all of my problems, like more money, less problems at home. Um, wife will be happy. Kids will be happy, whatever it is. Um, when reality, they're, they're a lot of times exacerbating the problem, which I call the workaholic trap. Advisors are very, very prone. They have two things against them. Number one, they are helpers. <laughs> what happens when we're helpers? We want to help everyone. We, we really do. And it's a struggle for a lot of advisors to niche because they see it as, well, that's going to contract who I'm able to help. No, it'll actually enable you to help more of the right people. So they don't do it and they fail to really market to the demographic that can need them the most. And they end up being generalists. A lot of advisors are essentially, well, I help everyone. No, you don't. Well, I help everybody has a million dollars and is retiring. Everybody would do that in this industry. There's not a single advisor I've ever met that said, if you had a you know, client for a million dollars, you know, who's retiring, would you not help them? Okay. So maybe a few. 
um, maybe they need, you know, three or 5 million or something. Reality is that most advisors um, are not that different. They want to help. So first off, they really need to niche. Um, secondly, um, if they are in a position where scaling is, is the issue, they think they need to scale. The reality is they probably should figure out their own boundaries first. They need to figure out their own personal systems. I've been harping on this, but they need to figure out their own personal systems so that as they're bringing in new clients, as they're organically bringing in, you know, the niche that they've identified, they can handle it. And it doesn't blow up everything at work. Well, now, honey, I've got to work 90 hours a week. That's not why you got into this industry. You get in this industry for three things, freedom, flexibility, finances. Those are the three F's that I found of why advisors get into this business. They want the freedom to run their own schedule. They want, you know, the flexibility to, uh, to really just run it the way they want it. They, they want to be the entrepreneur most times and they want the financial payback. Uh, so if they have those three in place, that's really the motivator. So if they can't figure out their boundaries and their own personal boundaries, where I'm going to work, how much am I going to work? Then no wonder they're afraid to scale because they know they're going to lose that sense of balance or it's going to destroy any sense of balance that they um, currently have. Yeah. It, yeah. As you're talking through that freedom, flexibility, finances, you know, as an advisor, I could, I could, uh, yeah, I could imagine our advisors thinking, you know, at any point in their life, you're probably losing out on one of those three at the moment, in particular in the environment right now. And you know, the, the answers are, are almost always fairly obvious because everyone talks about it. You've got a niche, you've got a scale, you've got a handoff work, but let's dive into personal systems because the answer for me lies somewhere in here because I don't know if everyone, anyone else has this reflection. I certainly do. When you hit the conference circuit, when you go to PD days, you hear these messages and we've heard these messages for five years yet people still get on stage to talk about these messages because they're still relevant because people aren't doing it. And I believe it's because they're not asking questions that I think your research does because it does start internally. Any, anyone could niche, anyone could hand off work, anyone could you know, go out and scale to an extent, right? You've still got to have means. I get that. But there's a ton of work you've got to do before you even get there, right? And that's asking questions in and of yourself. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the classic analogy is always the, the air mask analogy. You know, you've got to look after yourself before you start to look after everyone else. And can you maybe elaborate a little bit on your research around what's the framework? What's the thinking? What are, what are, what are advisors that are listening to this podcast or practice managers that are listening to this podcast need to work through internally before they even get to the spoils of scaling and niching and, and all of that? Yeah. Uh, there are three main sections to the book that I wrote, Achieving Balance. You can get it at travisperry.com, P-A-R-R-Y. Um, or go to achievingbalancebook.com or Amazon, which sells everywhere. But the reality is there's, there's three main things we need to look at. First is your internal 
values and goals. Well, we always go to goals. We know how to set goals, Travis, for financial planners. Yes, exactly. But in the CFP course on setting goals and general financial planning, they actually start with values. A value is a principle that guides and directs your life. You know it's true and you hold on to it because it dis- it really defines who you are. After writing my father's obituary, I realized that most of the time people are chasing after achievements. They want to be the next this, they want this award, they want da 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 and quite honestly our industry is one of the worst purveyors of this mentality because we tend to reward that highly, highly trips, money, um, pats on the back awards, like all of these things that we're doing in this industry. Um, you know, we could say for a lot of other industries, but we do it really well as financial advisors. We tend to focus on achievement of, of, you know, accomplishment, excuse me, of things, checking off boxes instead of really becoming someone different, becoming who we know we need to be. And as I studied psychology, I realized that there's a concept called cognitive dissonance that most people do not really use in, in, in the correct terms. Cognitive meaning mental dissonance, which has a root in distance. It essentially means that you're having two thoughts at the same time that are competing. They're dissonant. Uh, someone who studies music knows that a, a dissonant chord doesn't sound right, right? It's, it's off. But that's what's going on in our brains and in our body. And when we have a value that we hold dear, like I'm trustworthy, but I'm going to rip people off. Like those two things, they don't, it doesn't work off. It doesn't work out. And it sounds ridiculous, but quite honestly, it's the subconscious mind that has to deal with that stuff. If our values aren't aligned with our goals, then we really are going the wrong direction. We're, we're, we're doing, taking great action and it looks to the world like, yeah, we're accomplishing things, but inside we may be hollow. We may be sad. We may be depressed. We may actually have thoughts about suicide. I have a friend who posted on LinkedIn just today and he's out there doing great things and helping people, um, bring mental health awareness. And he had suicide ideation the other day. I was like, goodness gracious, this is what happens when we aren't aligning our values with our goals. We're not going the same direction that we intend to become. It leads to all sorts of stress, depression, long-term um, problems psychologically. So that's the first. Um, and, and the second really is that we take what these goals are and our priorities are in life, and we create now an ideal calendar that manages the time that allows us to utilize that in our life the way that connects us to our values. Um, the book explains this in great detail. Um, and then third is we utilize that person I talked about you know, early on in the show, our spouse, as an accountability partner. If that person is the number one reason why most advisors have balance, then why are we not setting and achieving goals together? Why are we not helping each other um, to really keep the balance. Uh, workaholism is an addiction, Mark. It, it, it's in the DSM-5 in the United States. It's an addiction. So if we're a workaholic, and we, you know, regardless of what kind, um, most addictions are not 
solved alone. You need support groups, help groups, um, possibly medication, et cetera, et cetera. But I have found in the research that I've done that when couples can work together toward balance, they are much more likely to actually achieve it. Thanks for listening to part one of our two-part series with Travis Parry. In part one, we unpack some of the underlying concepts behind Travis's Achieving Balance research. And stay tuned for part two, where we'll dive into some of the more tactical ways you can achieve alignment between vision and goals through your ideal calendar and accountability partner. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.